Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. As business professionals, we often think we've seen it all. But if you really want to talk to the people who've seen it all, just go have a drink with someone who's worked in corporate communications. They'll be the first to tell you that truth is stranger than fiction when it comes to some of the things they know about the companies they've worked for. On this episode of Talking Business Now, two of those corporate communications professionals, Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, join me to talk about their latest business novel, Operation Clusterpuck, which is based on some of those truth is stranger than fiction moments. Jennifer and Michael are the founders of Rock.Voss Communications. They are corporate communications experts turned business humor writers who spent two decades in corporate America and, as they say, barely lived to write about it. Having worked with some of Minnesota's largest and most dynamic companies like Best Buy and Cargill, their years of corporate work experiences inspired and shaped many of the storylines and characters found in their books. Their latest book, as I said, is Operation Clusterpuck, and it was released in November 2018. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Jennifer and Michael talk with us about the book, why they wrote it, some of their insider stories, and the lessons it holds for businesses everywhere. Here's Michael on how they turn their real-life experiences into fiction. Many of the the anecdotes and the situations and the characters are drawn upon from real life. And um, as a, a lot of novelists do, you sort of combine maybe a couple of people into a single character or you change some of the circumstances around a particular story. But we definitely pride ourselves in creating characters that our readers will say, you know what, I work with someone just like that. Or to put our characters in a situation in which uh, our readers will say, that's just like it happens at my company. We'll be right back to talk with Michael Voss and Jennifer Rock right after this message from our sponsor, Interobang Solutions. like to position your company as an industry thought leader, increase engagement, and build credibility with prospects and clients, establish your influence as a trusted resource, Interobang Solutions offers full-service writing and publishing solutions that deliver your company's messages with a bang. You can count on us to provide turnkey solutions that support your existing marketing and communication staff or act as your full-service outsourced partner. Interobang Solutions, providing custom writing, editing, and publishing solutions. Visit www.interobanksolutions.com. We're talking business now with Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, the founders of Rock dot Voss Communications and the authors of Operation Clusterpuck. They are corporate communications experts turned business humor writers who spent two decades in corporate America and, as they say, barely lived to write about it. Having worked with some of Minnesota's largest and most dynamic companies like Best Buy and Cargill, their years of corporate work experiences inspired and shaped many of the storylines and characters found in their books. 
Their latest book, Operation Clusterpuck, was released in November 2018. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Jennifer and Michael talk with us about the book, why they wrote it, and the lessons it holds for businesses everywhere. Jennifer and Michael, welcome to Talking Business Now. Thank you for having us. It's so great to be here. I can tell you two like to have a lot of fun having read your book. Why did you just start writing workplace novels? As you said, we like to have fun. We um, have spent uh, together about 45 years in corporate America. And as your listeners who have spent any time in a big company knows that that's not always easy. And uh, the two of us actually worked together for 12 years at, at Best Buy headquarters and had big jobs with big responsibilities. And at the end of a particularly long and shall we say, soul-sucking meeting, uh, the two of us escaped, and we went to a very early happy hour, uh, shared uh, probably more than we should have in terms of cocktails, and started swapping stories of, of the things we had seen, the characters we knew, the people we had worked with in corporate America, and as all the best stories always happen over happy hour, we uh, pinky swore that we were going to sober up and we were going to write a book one day. And um, and that's exactly what we did. We actually stuck with it and said that we have too good of stories from inside corporate America not to share them with other people. Yeah. And, and you're doing this in novel form. In fact, Operation Clusterpuck is a sequel to an earlier novel. So what inspired the sequel? You talked about how you uh, decided to start writing humorous business novels to begin with, but then why did you decide that it needed this sequel? And most importantly, how in the world did you come up with the name Operation Cluster Puck? You have to be really careful how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we tried to enunciate that very carefully. <laughs> uh, we, uh, as we were finishing our first novel, we were fortunate enough to work with some really good editors, one of whom said, you know, why don't you uh, leave the door wide open to a follow-up because this seems like the kind of story and you've written about the types of characters that your readers may want to come back to at, at a, in a future time. So uh, we, we actually rewrote the last chapter of our first novel, BS Incorporated, while it, the first part of it was on the printing press. And we, we left the door open with a bit of a cliffhanger and then came back to the story um, with, as you said, Operation Cluster Puck, which at the time was not the title of the book. We had a working title that I don't even remember. It was really not all that it inspiring. Was not good. Yeah. Um, and uh, as we so often do, Jennifer and I divide and conquer and try to play to one another's strengths. And we kicked around some ideas together and then went our separate ways. And Jennifer came back to me with a text later that evening and said, I think I've got it. And uh, uh, lo and behold, it was Operation Cluster Puck with a P. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great title. And I love the first one, too. You know, BS Inc., Business Solutions Inc. is the name of the company this is all based on. And, of course, you know, the BS is, speaks for itself. Can't give the whole uh, story away because we want readers to get the book. But for those of... Uh, those who are listening today, if you could set the stage for us, set the scene, who are the two main characters, Anna and Will, and what's the situation that they find themselves in as the novel opens? Because like you said, you left a cliffhanger there. So BS Incorporated and Operation Cluster Puck are both the story of a big Midwestern company that's grown way too big too fast and tends to always find itself spiraling out of control in one way or another. Sounds so funny. And our... <laughs> 
<laughs> and for a lot of people, it's no matter if you work in academics or government or or corporate America, um, a lot of the situations are very familiar. So um, we take you behind the scenes to this group of um, quirky and earnest middle managers who really realize that they're the only ones who can save this company from itself. And um, the first book, BS Incorporated, um, introduces you to those characters, including Will and Anna. Uh, Will finds himself um, the head of the, the director of the communications team in the kind of the inner sanctum of business solutions um, in a promotion that's a little over his head and, uh, and really trying to get this ragtag team of folks together. In Operation Cluster Puck, uh, the company has decided to, to expand into Canada in a very ill-advised international expansion and, again, um, has to call on his team to uncover uh, a very um, dubious plot that might this time actually take the company down. And uh, Will, uh, again, in his earnest, everyman way, he is that, he is that colleague that you want to just grab a beer with and and chat, and he'll tell you some inside stories, and um, he is just that guy that you always know has your back. Anna, on the other hand, um, is still fairly new to the company. Um, she is ambitious, I would argue, in all the good ways, and, uh, and really uh, is, is using this company as a stepping stone to, uh, to get into bigger and, and better positions at probably better companies. Um, but the two of them um, work together quite well, to figure out what this company needs and then really how to support the employees of this big, crazy company. Yeah, and, and as we've said, so many of your characters and, and the crazy circumstances that they find themselves in, that they have to encounter and deal with, are so similar to what our listeners probably recognize in their own companies or in previous companies that they've worked for. So I don't imagine that any of these bear any resemblance to your experiences. Actually, uh, many of the uh, the anecdotes and the situations and the characters are drawn upon from real life. And um, as a, a lot of novelists do, you sort of combine maybe a couple of people into a single character or you change some of the circumstances around a particular story. But we definitely pride ourselves in creating characters that our readers will say, you know what, I work with someone just like that. Or to put our characters in a situation in which uh, our readers will say, that's just like it happens at my company. Someone always takes half the donut but doesn't eat the whole thing <laughs> or you know, in the break room, those, those types of things. Or there's always... Uh, somebody trying to sound smarter than they really are in a meeting by using too much jargon, but they're really not saying anything at all. So um, I guess the greatest joy we get in hearing from our readers is when they tell us that it's, uh, it's as if we snuck into their company and took notes and wrote, wrote about their lives. Yeah, I have to tell you, and this won't give the book away to our listeners, but it will give you a uh, a little bit of an insight into how you bring these folks to life. And it occurs right at the beginning within the first few pages. And you compare the IT guy who is uh, snoring away in the corner, you compare his snoring to the sound of a dot matrix printer. And that was just so, or you could just so visualize that and you could act, you could hear it when, when you read that description. It was so appropriate. So that, that's just a sample of, of some of the characters and some of the, the ways in which you uh, define find them. Let's talk a little bit about some of those behind the scenes 
corporate uh, situations that you had to deal with yourselves as corporate communications professionals that, uh, you know, they, they seem like, you know, st- truth is stranger than fiction is what I guess I'm trying to say, yet they happen. So, so what were some of the, if you don't mind sharing, what were some of the real life circumstances and situations you found yourself in as corporate communications professionals that you had to write memos about or, or, you know, give a briefing about that you're like, really, this can't be happening kind of things. <laughs> sure. I've got one that Jennifer and I just uh, replayed the other day. Uh, we were working at uh, the aforementioned national retailer, and uh, the company had just hired a new senior executive, who was very well respected, came from uh, the West Coast, and um, had a big name already in the industry. And he was coming up to speak to the top 200 leaders of the company, the, the officers and directors, we call them. And he came to me and asked if there was anything in particular I thought that he should say, me being the, the leader of the internal communications team. And I said, you know, this is a group that's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So go on out there and just speak from the heart and tell them why you joined the company and what it is that you intend to bring to the company. And he nodded and smiled and he went up to the front of the room and he said, you know, I just came back from talking to the communications team and they gave me a bunch of key messages that they wanted me to spout. but. I decided I'd rather just speak from the heart and tell you why I joined this company. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's the kind of relationship we're going to have. <laughs> if any of your listeners have read our first book, BS Incorporated, um, it, that book starts with a very real um, situation that people um, often ask us, this didn't really happen, did it? <laughs> and um, and I'll, I'll say this as, as kindly as possible for your listeners, but um, we found ourselves as communicators in the situation of having to educate employees that it was not okay to, let, shall we say, um, canoodle in the stairwells of <laughs> the corporate campus. And apparently there was a fair amount of some pretty heavy canoodling going on in the stairwells. And so we were in that position of actually writing a memo to remind employees to be, you know, quote unquote, respectful of each other in the stairwells and basically say what was happening without actually using those words. So we, we often joke that as professional communicators, we should have written a manual of um, all the things that you have to say when you're trying to not say what you really have to say. Oh, my gosh. You, you should become political consultants if you're going to do that. <laughs> sakes. Well, you know, you, your novel is humorous. It's full of intrigue. But there are some serious business lessons that we can learn from the book as well. Talk to us about some of those. Uh, sure. So in, in Operation Clusterpuck, one of the one of those deeper themes or lessons that we wanted to build out was really thinking about the legacy you're going to leave both personally and professionally. Some people talk about that as being purpose-driven. So it's, it's very synonymous with being purpose-driven. And so throughout the story, we find both Will and Anna, um, Will more on the professional side, realizing that he's never really made a decision for himself in terms of where his career went. He's just kind of gone where the company has asked him to go, taken the jobs that the company has asked him to take. So throughout that story, he does a bit of self-reflection and makes a determination at the end of the book on what he actually wants to do with his career, whereas Anna, always being more purposeful in her career, starts to realize she's never cultivated much of a life outside of work, and she goes through a process in which she determines that she wants to make an impact in her community and make an impact on, on behalf of a loved one in her life, 
um, that will that will extend well beyond um, her time here. So um, we we like to sort of build out those themes again. Lots of humor, lots of situations you'll recognize, but also um, have our readers walk away and think a little bit about the decisions they're making on an everyday basis around their careers and their personal lives. Sure, as you said, their their, their legacy ultimately, but even just in the day to day the work-life balance. I know we hear a lot about that, but as you get older, sometimes you look back and you think, why? Why did I do this or miss these things uh, for that? And so you're just trying to give people kind of a heads up uh, to start thinking about that now, not after you've retired. And what you look back on is everything you missed out on. That's that's exactly right. I mean, um, Mike, who has, has two children, always says that he remembers the, the birthdays and the celebrations that he missed, but he doesn't remember the work reason why he missed them. And, um, and, and I have to believe that's the same for so many people. And, you know, for both Mike and myself, um, we walked away from our corporate jobs to finish our first book and to start our own business. And I, I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs in your audience. And, you know, we often talk about how, you know, people try to inspire others to say, you need to go follow your dreams. And, you know, our point is that that sounds so passive, you know, follow your dreams. And we're like, no, actually, you have to pursue them with great gusto. And it's not easy. Um, but again, it's that calculated risk. And it's that purpose that you determine for yourself. And then you have to go get it and not just let it happen to you. And I, I think we are are great examples of that. Yeah, you have to proactively shape it and, and question it too from time to time. You have to stop periodically and say, is this really uh, the same business that I, I envisioned when I put the key in the lock every morning to enter it? Is, it? is it still what brings me passion and joy and those around me passion and joy too? Yeah, beautifully put. That's exactly right. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. You come out of corporate communications. You write memos about what the stairwells should be used for. Uh, <laughs> novel writing is a different style of writing. So how did you make that transition? Uh, was that an easy one for you or did it come naturally? Talk to us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, it was slow and painful, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, it took us six years from the time of that patio meeting that Jennifer describes until uh, our first novel rolled off the press. And there was a lot to learn. We did a lot of research. Fortunately, we, we live in an era where there's a lot of online information available. But one of the really big lessons we took away, too, is to surround yourself with experts and people who are smarter than you in things uh, in which you are not particularly strong. So we consulted a lot of editors. We went to uh, conferences uh, about writing fiction because it is very different. We used to joke that you know half the memos we wrote in corporate America were fiction, but that's very, <laughs> very different than you know uh, creating a character and, yes. and, and setting a scene and all those types of things. And fortunately, we had the basic writing ability. We had to you know set down our egos, as Jennifer said. We had pretty good jobs, and we thought we were pretty accomplished. But we were starting from scratch, and we had to learn a lot, and we took a lot of pretty direct feedback on some things we weren't doing well. Um, and we, we revised that first manuscript multiple, multiple times, as I said, over the course of six years, and, and finally got it to a point where we found a publisher willing to take it. 
and it shows that you went to those extra links because for listeners who are out there that think, oh, this is going to be like reading some kind of an annual report, it's not like that at all. It's <laughs> it's truly a novel, and I wanted to make sure that uh, we got that out there. The characters are well developed and and so forth. Uh, how do you write a novel? in tandem. You hear sometimes about writing a, a business book, uh, you know, analytical, a theoretical kind of book, but how do you write a novel in tandem? Yeah, well, there's a reason why the first one took us six years. We, we, <laughs> we had to figure that one out too. And um, I think we are, are living proof that you can co-author a novel together because we have not um, yet uh, killed one another or, um, or, or strangled one another because we certainly have had a lot of a lot of debates in figuring out the process. But, you know, I think um, writing a novel together is much like any business partnership or good colleague relationship that you have in business where um, we have figured out how to first set forth a strategy that we both can agree on. And that's in terms of, you know, a book is how many chapters and what's going to happen in the first act of this, um, of this book. And, uh, what are the character story arcs going to be? And we, we agree on that overarching strategy. And then in terms of execution, um, we really, as Mike said earlier, we play to each other's strengths and we respect each other's processes. And again, much like any business partnership, Mike has to live with the fact that I write like I paint with a paint roller where it's just great big strokes, like let's just see what the color looks like off, you know, on the walls and get this first draft out there fast. Um, Mike picks up a watercolor brush and <laughs> makes sure that every single word is right, right off the bat. And those are very different processes, but we respect what, he, what each other brings to the table and realize how we can feather those things together mm -hmm. to then come up with the finished product. And again, the first book took six years. The second book took nine months. So we figured some things out and figured out the process. And, and it really is a process of, of mutual respect and, and understanding and giving each other the space to, to create and then figuring out how to bring that together in a way um, that has a much better final product than either one of us could have created on our own. As I mentioned, and you have too, Operation Cluster Puck was a sequel. And I'm just curious, do you have any more sequels or something else following this book? Where do things go from here? Great question. We definitely plan to write a third book. What we haven't determined yet, Kelly, is whether it's a third book in this series or whether we will uh, create a new set of characters and a new set of situations that we take our readers through. Um, as you know from reading the book, we did leave the door open, so we could do another mm -hmm. uh, sequel to our sequel. Um, but I think we're going to listen to our readers and see what they tell us and tell us if they have an appetite for more of Will and Anna and Benny and the crew um, or whether they just want to see us explore and go in new directions. But we definitely plan to continue writing together. I, I, I think there's something uh, there with this particular uh, storyline, but uh, we'll see where you take it. In fact, for those who have not read the book yet, finding out about it today, where can they go and get copies of this book or your first book, uh, Business Solutions, Inc.? Sure. So um, we are in every place that uh, fine books and ebooks are sold. So uh, you can search for us on Amazon or iBooks or BarnesandNoble.com. Um, and all of the links to all of those things are on our book website, which is rockandvossbooks.com. And there you can also get little excerpts of the book, um, you know, find out a little bit more about us. 
and uh, and get uh, also links to um, fine podcasts like uh, the one we're doing right now with you, Kelly. Oh, well, great. Thank you. Again, that's rockandvossbooks.com. Voss is V-O-S-S, so rockandvossbooks.com. And I have to ask you, we're on a show called Talking Business Now. So what do you think businesses need to be talking about in 2019? What's the urgent question that they should be answering and, and talking among themselves about? You know, I think this probably ties back to um, our roles as communicators, but at least from my perspective, I think authenticity is so important today. Whether you are a leader speaking to your employees, whether you are a brand speaking to your customers, authenticity is so important today. And I think you've got um, people throughout the world expect you to be honest and transparent with them in terms of what you're offering them. Again, whether that's from a career standpoint or whether that's from a product or service standpoint, people are so interested today in, in what your sustainability uh, strategies are. All those kinds of things require um, a company and the individuals that work there to be really authentic about what they stand for. Michael, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show today. And for those of you who are now inspired to go out and get a copy of Operation Clusterpuck, you can do that at rockandvossbooks.com. We appreciate the support of our sponsor, Interrobang Solutions, providing writing, editing, and publishing services. Give them a call at 913-220-4251 or visit interrobangsolutions.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Please be sure to join us for the next episode of Talking Business Now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.